Tenakoto, Tenakoto, Tenakoto Katoa. Hello and welcome to Critical to Your Success. Thanks for joining me. I am your host, Rachel Park, and I'm a critical care nurse, academic, and researcher from Auckland, New Zealand. This is the podcast where I talk to critical care nurses, allied healthcare team members, and academics about what has been critical to their success. Well, this podcast is something a bit different again. It will introduce you to and explain to you some of the reasoning behind a research study that I'm leading that I hope many of you Antipodeans will be able to participate in. Some might call it shameless advertising, but really we'd like the opportunity to tell you a bit more about the study and the team that are leading it. In this podcast, I will describe the background, rationale and methods for the study And then some of my co-investigators working with me on the study will tell you why they are involved. The study itself will be live from the 3rd of May and we do hope that if you are an ICU nurse or ex-ICU nurse and live in either Australia or New Zealand that you will consider participating. We look forward to hearing your experience. This study is investigating the incidence and experience of a subject that may make some feel uncomfortable. We hope that this study is a way of exploring and highlighting these issues and then using the findings to develop tools to address these issues and improve experiences for ourselves and our patients. This study will investigate bullying, discrimination and sexual harassment amongst ICU nurses in Australia and New Zealand. The investigators overseeing this study represent ICU clinicians and researchers as well as academic nurses and researchers who are experienced in quantitative and qualitative research methodologies. The group also includes Māori and Indigenous Australian researchers who bring a unique skill set to the team and will be instrumental in us and understanding the data from a cultural perspective. We've also included novice researchers in the team to help develop their research skills. The ICU, as we all know, is a high-intensity, stressful environment staffed by large, interprofessional healthcare teams, the members of which bring diverse perspectives, backgrounds, experiences and cultures. All healthcare professionals work to deliver care to complex, critically ill patients and their families and whānau, requiring interaction with multiple care providers, including other teams. ICU teams within most countries are comprised of nurses, doctors, allied healthcare professionals, including dietitians, pharmacists and physiotherapists, but also, and importantly, administration and support staff. Nurses are the largest professional group within the ICU workplace, however. and There are approximately 10,000 full-time equivalent nurses working in public and private ICUs in Australia and New Zealand in 2016. There are around 2,500 adult and paediatric ICU beds in Australia and New Zealand that admit around 270,000 patients each year. ICUs include public, private, rural, regional and metropolitan ICUs, all sorts. Bullying, discrimination and sexual harassment are significant problems within healthcare organisations but are often underreported. Barriers to and concerns regarding reporting are frequently cited. In New Zealand, employees are protected from sexual and racial harassment in the workplace under legislation such as the Employment Relations Act and the Human Rights Act. And in Australia, under the Fair Work Act, workers have the right to be free from bullying and discrimination. There's also the Sex Discrimination Act, which prohibits discrimination on the basis of things such as sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, pregnancy or breastfeeding, and promotes gender equality. In New Zealand, Te Tiriti o Waitangi, the Treaty of Waitangi, protects the rights of tangata whenua, including in the workplace, irrespective of whether bullying occurs as a projection of racism or whether it be bullying to Indigenous peoples per se. In Australia, Indigenous people may be particularly vulnerable, but do not have a treaty to protect their rights. Workplace bullying, discrimination and sexual harassment within the medical workforce has been the focus of recent research, with reports of the overall prevalence of bullying being up to 49%. 
Bullying is recognised as an issue in nursing, with research suggesting 65-80% to 80% of nurses have either experienced or witnessed bullying in the workplace. While there has been some work undertaken in the general nursing workforce, there is a dearth of evidence regarding the extent and impact of these behaviours on the nursing workforce in intensive care in Australia and New Zealand. In response to anecdotal reports, the College of Intensive Care Medicine of Australia and New Zealand has reported the prevalence of bullying, discrimination and sexual harassment among trainees and fellows of the college as 32%, 12% and 3% respectively. The impact on clinicians includes cynicism, loss of empathy and burnout, which may lead to increased staff turnover and can affect quality of patient care and outcomes. There is also evidence that fostering unacceptable behaviours in healthcare results in reduced performance, situational awareness, communication of safety issues, teaching and learning effectiveness, and can increase the amount of increased uh, adverse outcomes, patient complaints, and burnout. Consequences of these behaviours are wide-ranging, affecting workplace environments, personal well-being, and patient care. Serious implications also exist for self-esteem, mental and physical health, including depression, helplessness, anxiety, despair, suicidal ideation, psychosomatic complaints, and increased risk of cardiovascular disease. But are nurses and doctors the same? There are subtle differences between the nursing and medical workforces, such as gender makeup, ethnic group, and significant issues such as perception of balance of power that may result in different findings between the two occupational groups. There is a lack of data describing the ethnic and gender makeup of ICU nurses in Australia and New Zealand. However, the first step to addressing issues of bullying, discrimination and sexual harassment is to identify the scope of the problem. So we want to understand what is the prevalence and experience of bullying, discrimination and sexual harassment amongst ICU nurses in Australia and New Zealand. The findings of the study will be of significance to all nurses working in the ICU, their nurse unit managers, clinical directors and stakeholders, as well as current and future ICU nurses around New Zealand and Australia. The well-being of ICU nurses is paramount to support them in their work, reduce stress and burnout, promote patient care, reduce staff turnover and ensure quality patient care for all. The results of the study will contribute to finding sustainable solutions to these issues to keep well-trained staff in the workplace providing exceptional patient care. The findings will be used to develop policies and guidelines to support ICU nurses in responding to complaints of bullying, discrimination and sexual harassment in the workplace. And they'll also be used to guide the development of a welfare special interest group within the New Zealand College of Critical Care Nurses and the Australian College of Critical Care Nurses. The project will also lead to the development of new connections in smaller, regional and rural ICUs throughout both countries. So we plan to undertake a prospective cross-sectional online survey of ICU nurses in Australia and New Zealand, and participants will be invited to participate in an online survey about their experiences in the preceding 12-month period. Target population are nurses working in ICUs in Australia and New Zealand, or who did in the previous 12 months, who are on target email lists Participants will be invited to participate in this online survey and they will all be given the same project information and gain access to the survey via the same web link. The online survey has been developed using Qualtrics. The survey has been pilot tested to determine the adequacy of the questions, the order of the questions and the comprehensiveness of the contents um, so that hopefully the instructions are clear and the survey is easy to undertake. The survey is open for a four-week period, um, commencing on the 3rd of May at the earliest, um, but might be slightly different in some locations. We will send out a reminder email before the 
close of the survey. The survey will be distributed to all ICU nurses in Australia and New Zealand through email lists that are currently administered by the New Zealand College of Critical Care Nurses and the Australian College of Critical Care Nurses. We'll also use other avenues such as the Intensive Care Research Coordinators Interest Group for Australia and New Zealand email list, research champions in states and hospitals around the two countries, and through social media channels such as Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn, hopefully to really promote awareness of the survey. We do recognise that not all ICU nurses belong to these email lists or social media groups, and so we also expect um, a number of participants to be recruited locally through snowball sampling, through word of mouth um, methods as well. We really like to target Māori and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island nurses for inclusion in the survey. The survey itself is divided into four main sections. The first collects um, some basic demographic data. And then respondents are asked a series of questions to identify whether or not they have experienced or witnessed bullying, discrimination or sexual harassment in their workplace in the preceding 12 months. If participants report that they have, they are then asked how frequently this has occurred, asked to give an example of what occurred, where it occurred, who displayed the behaviour, some questions around reporting of the behaviour and the outcome. If participants report that they did not experience bullying, discrimination or sexual harassment, um, they will be asked why they did not choose to report the behaviour and the outcome of not reporting the behaviour. We'll also collect some qualitative data with comments from respondents who are asked to briefly describe the worst example of either bullying, discrimination or sexual harassment that has happened to them over the preceding 12 months. We do ask that you try and avoid using names or other clearly identifying information. It's a little bit difficult to quantify exact numbers of ICU nurses who will receive this survey because of the methods we are using. However, we do know that there are approximately 10,000 full-time equivalent nurses who will receive an invitation to participate. And this is based on data from the ANZAC Centre for Outcome Evaluation report. And we're hoping that at least 370 will provide a response. Descriptive analysis of the demographic data will be undertaken, um, comparing it with known variables from the target population. And qualitative data will be analysed using thematic analysis. Importantly, our Māori team members will lead a kaupapa Māori thematic analysis with support from Komatoa. And specific cultural themes relating to participant experiences will be identified. So we currently have ethics approval obtained in both New Zealand and Australia. The survey has been completed, will be available from Monday the 3rd of May um, for a month or so. And then we hope to have our data cleaned and analysed in June, July and hopefully be able to provide you with some results and study findings from about October. So we do hope that you can participate. But do stay and listen to some of my colleagues who are members of the management team explain to you why they feel that this study is important. My name's Adele Ferguson. I'm a registered nurse and I work in Fokitani Hospital, Bay Plenty District Health Board. And um, I'm a senior critical care nurse. Um, I also am nurse educator for ICU and emergency department. And I've been nursing for over 20 years, probably 25 years. Yeah. And I live in the lovely, wonderful, sunny Fokitani. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Lucky you. <laughs> Thank you. Would you like to tell us why you're involved in this um, study and why you see it as important? Um, 
so first off, I, I be- became um, aware of the study through yourself, of course, Rachel, is my wonderful supervisor <laughs> for my PhD at the moment. Um, and I thought, actually, there's a couple of things. One of it was it's learning for me as I'm doing my own study. It's great learning. Um, the other thing is I'm very passionate about nursing. We're passionate about doing the best for our patients um, and our whanau as well. Um, and because I have been a nurse for a wee while, I myself have been bullied, seen bullying, and um, still see it today. And I, I just, we need to do something about it so it's safe for nurses and nurses wanting to come in to the career um yeah it's yeah just so it's safe safe for nurses you know especially new nurses coming in um nurses coming from other countries yeah that's really it Hmm. i think that's a really interesting point actually and um you know, like you say, having that personal experience to bring to the project really highlights it. Yeah. Hmm. And so how can people get involved? Well, <laughs> um, there is a survey that will be emailed out via um, New Zealand College of Critical Care Nurses also via NZNO, uh, those of you that know me on the um, Critical Care Nurses, Nurse Educators Forum, that we have a great um, working group for that. Um, I'll be nagging all you guys too um, to put it out there. But I think it's really important that nurses have a voice. I mean, in so many platforms, they need a voice. But I think this is is really important to people's well-being. Yeah. Yeah, I totally I agree. If, if, if we're feeling safe in ourselves, in our in our work, in our yeah, in our person, then that comes across in how we're caring for our patients and our family. Well said, and that's kind of the reason we go to work every day, isn't it? To make yep, a difference. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, it is. Yeah. We're, we're there for the patients. Yeah. And I think, yeah, often we forget that, I think. Yeah. And I guess it's all around being able to bring our best selves to work each day. Yep. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they don't choose to be sick and be in hospital um and especially you know our multi patients they don't enjoy being in a and i can say it, you know european hospital um so we need to make it really safe for people and if we don't feel safe in our workplace then yeah it makes it pretty difficult for people that are in a vulnerable state themselves hmm. Thank you for that. And um, thank you so much for being a part of this team. And I know you're learning lots about the research process as well. Yes. <laughs> um, both being involved in this and also through your PhD. And I love working with you and I'm learning just as much. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> look yes. forward plus, to the journey. Plus, yes, plus Rachel's known me for many years. Hey, Rachel. <laughs> Quite a number of years. We won't yeah. get here. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, nursing is small in New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So, hmm, it, it's a good opportunity, I think, for us to keep nursing up there. Hmm, yeah, in an definitely. Career. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Adele, for that. Thank you. Hi everyone, my name is Francis Nona. I'm an Indigenous man from Torres Straits. Um, I grew up in community and now work within the School of Public Health um, for University of Queensland. Um, one of my biggest aspirations and driving is to give back to community as an Indigenous man from Torres Straits. A lot of my research and teaching is drawing from that, um, whether it's contributing to closing the health inequities 
within Australia, um, First Nations people, and yeah, and de developing curriculum and making sure that I'm embedding Indigenous knowledges within UQ. Awesome. Would you like to tell us a little bit about where you come from? Yeah, so I'm, I come from a little island on the tip of Queensland. Um, in the Western District is is um, Bardo Island, and um, but I did my cultural teachings on Saibai. So um, my family is from Baru, but before my, my ancestors that came down from Saibai. So, um, which is really interesting because um, a lot of my nursing. Um, is that really community cultural teaching that I grew up in. Um, so I went through an initiation process, which is a three-year process um, on Saibai Island. And that is a lot of my backbone of now how do I nurse as a community-focused, um, yeah. And what we're really looking forward to doing with the findings of the study is being able to look at them from a cultural perspective and so, you know, we're really lucky to have you on board um, to be able to look at the results from um, a Torres Strait Island perspective. Um, why is this study important to you? I mean, the title speaks for itself where, you know, bullying, discrimination and sexual harassment amongst, you know, my colleagues. Um, I saw this at a very young age, um, I was inspired by nurses um, on Thursday Island who still work as nurses. So this is this is the thing that I'm talking about. This is not long ago. Um, and very early into their career, working on Thursday Island, you hear of stories that they could work alongside others, but then they would be at lunchtime segregated to only sitting amongst themselves. They couldn't sit with the medical officers that were brought up from they couldn't sit with, well, what I see is their colleagues, but mainstream, non-Indigenous people. I mean, they were segregated. They had to eat their lunch by themselves. They weren't allowed in, this, in the same room. So, yeah, this is, sits very important with me because, I mean, how does this happen? How, does, how, do, how are we delivering care based on what happens in the back um, scenes of what's happening within the environment of delivering care? What... You know, and this is what constitutes to our output of making sure that we can give someone um, the best care that they uh, desire, but all this is happening in the background. Like, how does a registered nurse have to show up to make sure that we are meeting those requirements of, you know, the, the model of delivering the best care possible? Well, we have to deal with this in the background. So, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to delve into that and hear people's stories, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And was that another? So, Francis, one of the um, other obvious, I guess, um, aspects to you is that you're a, a man in nursing. And we know that there are a lot fewer men in nursing than there are women. How do you think we might unpick some of the findings of the study or, um, you know, what might gender play? Um, I think gender is an important thing to um, bring to the light. There is a very small group of male nurses and um, even just having that um, stewardship of working alongside female nurses, and it is a very um, dense female workforce. Um, and seeing what strengths that we bring um, to nursing. And it was one of those things when I first took up nursing, I used to think um, I'm going into a workforce that is heavily dominated by um, a female. Um, and how would I play a role in that? So I think we definitely bring um, a huge amount of skill sets when we are looking at who would. But it's how we are seen within that. How, how am I seen? that I'm either equivalent, um, have the capacity, 
um, are that I am remorseful as a re, um, as a registered nurse, as a male, that I have the capacity to build rapport very quickly. So yeah, it's 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 a vulnerable place being a male registered nurse, but again. I bring so much strength as a male registered nurse that I can work alongside the um, female nurses. So yeah, and I think it's important that we we are giving the voice to um, those people within this research on how that interception can ha happen. Where what is it that um, a male is facing working alongside um, female nurses, and wanting mm. to be respectful to that workforce. Mm, it's going to be really interesting to see, um, you know, any differences that come out. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I guess we'd really like to do a big shout out to <laughs> um, any male colleagues. Uh, yeah. and, and particularly, though, to um, our Indigenous nurses um, to really get involved in this research and um, to tell us about your experience. And, and, and to supplement that, yeah, definitely. Um, so... I, I want to strongly um, support if there are in um, within the workforce indigenous. I mean, we're we're a minority of uh, a minority group where um, voices that are needed to be heard. Indigenous workforce, um, indigenous um, registered nurses. You know, this is this is a chance to say what are what are you facing? What what are you seeing? Um, has there been a change within your career? Um, yeah, so I really want to give that podium to the workforce of um, Indigenous registered nurses. Oh, that's fantastic. Look, thank you so much for speaking with me this afternoon. And um, like I say, this is an amazing platform for people to be able to um, use their voice and tell us about their experiences. Perfect. Thank you. Kia ora Rachel, ko Melissa Carey ahau, ko Tainu Tumaka, ko Raukawa te iwi, ko Ngāti Huri te hapu, ko Pikitū te marae. Um, thanks for having me. Um, it's really nice to be here to talk to you today. I am a postdoctoral research fellow um, in Māori Health at the University of Auckland. Kia ora Melissa, um, thank you for joining me. You're actually sat there in Queensland this morning and I'm here in Auckland. <laughs> so by the wonders of Zoom, we're able to connect. Tell us a little bit about why you're interested in being involved in this project around bullying, discrimination and sexual harassment. Um, I think as a registered nurse, um, it's something that I experienced a lot in the workplace um, throughout my career. When I was a very young nurse, a long time ago, we won't say how long, but a while ago, I think it was it was my first um, job and as a Māori nurse, um, there were a lot of issues with shyness and, um, you know, just not being able to speak up and not having a voice. So often there were times of working in teams where you would find, I would find myself um, in situations where I didn't feel able to speak up or advocate for patients or for other staff or for, even for myself. So I think it's very important that as nurses, we have a voice for a start in our workplace teams. And we know that the research is still pointing to the hierarchical nature of the workplace and the fact that there is power differentials between nursing medicine and allied health professions. So it's really important that we actually as nurses start to look at these issues within our workplace teams and start to advocate for nursing um, to reduce some of these power differentials within these interprofessional teams. Mm, it's really interesting that you raise that. I think, um, you know, often as nurses, we do put ourselves second um, and not necessarily, like you say, either recognise the issues for ourselves or our colleagues. Um, and so hopefully highlighting that um, and bringing it into the spotlight um, is one of the purposes of this survey. How can we look at this from a Māori perspective, do you think? Well, I think that culturally safe workplaces are... Um, becoming increasingly important as we have more diverse healthcare teams 
And in order to reduce healthcare equity, um, healthcare inequity, sorry, um, we need to we need to establish um, culturally safe working environments. And we know that whatever happens within the workplace for nurses is transferred into patient care. So our our consumers of healthcare are experiencing the results of what we experience within the workplace. So if we're not safe, culturally safe within our own teams, then our clients, patients, people we care for are not going to be culturally safe either. And I think from a Māori perspective, we need to, um, we need more Māori nurses in the workforce. And to do that, we need to make a culturally safe workplace. And, and that has an overflowing effect within the whole healthcare system and in terms of um, reaching our populations who are most in need. So Melissa, one of the things that we'll be doing in the survey is getting people to not just um, you know, tick a box, but also to record some of their experiences around um, these topics as well. One of the things we're really keen to do is analyze this data from a cultural perspective as well. Um, would you like to talk a little bit about that and the importance of doing that? Yeah, I, th I think I really appreciate that, that you have taken this um, perspective with this research. I know have quite a um, inclusive team of researchers with myself and um, Dr. Tess Moore, Maxwell. Um, we, in terms of storytelling and Purako, we, we like to look at Kopapa Māori research um, through the lens of our um, tikanga and kawa about how we, our ways of knowing, being and doing. And so that, those, different, those ways are very different from colonial ways of knowing, being and doing. And so it's really important to, to view the, the stories of our participants through that lens to produce um, greater depth of meaning, but also culturally um, centered meaning from, from what the experiences are. Because often, you know, sometimes these um, deep experiences are hidden within the text and the meaning is not always translatable in English. So it's really important to look at te reo Māori um, translations and also meanings behind some, some uh, words that may come up, but also to look at um, some purako or stories that come through um, about what we learn within the data. And it's going to be so important. We know that we have very few Māori nurses, um, let alone you know, even fewer Māori intensive care nurses who are the target audience for this survey. Um, and so trying to uncover their stories and experiences um, is going to be hugely valuable in this research. Oh, thank you, Melissa, for that lovely introduction um, and, you know, hearing how you've got involved in this project. Um, thank you for your time. And we'll look forward to working on the analysis of this data together. Thank you. Thank you for um, your time and speaking to me today. And I look forward to catching up with you later as we work through this project together. Hi, my name is Naomi Hammond. I work as a nurse researcher at Royal North Shore Hospital in Sydney and also in the critical care division of the George Institute for Global Health. For this survey, I am representing the Australian College of Critical Care Nurses and the ANZIC CTG Research Coordinator Interest Group. So when Rachel asked me to be involved in this survey, it was an immediate yes. It's clearly an important topic, which surprisingly has very little evidence in the Australian and New Zealand critical care nursing community. There has been work in this space in the ANZ medical community, which was led by Professor Bala Venkatesh, and his work really highlighted some very worrying issues. So for me, I'd like to understand what our nursing community has experienced in relation to bullying, discrimination and sexual harassment. Without some baseline evidence, how are we to take action? And this survey is an important first step. I hope you get involved. So my name's Samantha Bates. I, uh, I'm a intensive care um, or critical care research manager uh, for the departments of intensive care and anaesthesia 
pain and perioperative medicine at Western Health. It's a bit of a mouthful, but um, I, I manage a lot of research activities across um, two main hospital campuses and two disciplines, so something a bit different. I do have a background in intensive care nursing and have been a, a bedside intensive care nurse Oh, for, I'm stretching the memory now, probably a good 13, 14 years um, before I sidetracked across into research and have been um, primarily involved um, in full-time research for about the last 11 years. Um, so I guess in total, I've been in an intensive care environment now for about um, close on 24, 25 years in total. Um, I'm also currently the chair of the Intensive Care Research Coordinator Interest Group. So um, have a lot of um, reach um, and, and advocate for a lot of our research nurses and research coordinators in the intensive care environment. Uh, and it's in that capacity that I'm coming into this project um, to help disseminate surveys and, and reach out to intensive care staff um, uh, to, you know, try and uh, disseminate our survey to people and hopefully um, get some good um, input and some feedback from our intensive care staff. Mm. Oh, that's super. Thank you so much for the assistance through ERSIG. Um, tell us why this study is important to you. I think it's really interesting that at this particular point in time, uh, although we were talking about this study before perhaps a lot of media coverage has been starting to come out here in Australia, but gee, um, 2021 um, has been the year of, I think, lifting the lid on a lot of um, bullying, discrimination, and, and in particular sexual harassment cases in Australia. So the timing of this probably is quite fortuitous in that sense. Uh, I think there's a heightened awareness at the moment. There's a real, I sense a shift and a change for people wanting to have a voice, um, speak up uh, and to let themselves be heard and advocate for change. Uh, I think it's really interesting both in my clinical background role and also as a research nurse, we often come into intensive care environments and you do see things from a different perspective. You often a, have a little bit more of a fly on the wall perspective and you can see culture happening around you. Um, mm. Primarily, we have a fantastic culture in critical care, but I have seen, I have witnessed and been part of conversations, um, uh, occurrences that I've seen and witnessed and, and been a part of, uh, of behaviour that clearly actually is not acceptable. Uh, and I think that's where the shift and the change is now. It's time to change what used to be accepted or certain personality types that people are, they're always, they behave that way. You just, you just take it with a grain of salt. doesn't really cut it anymore. Um, and I think the evidence that's coming out now about the dangers of having uh, bad cultures and how that impacts primarily on patient care, which at the end of the day is what we're all here for. That's, that's what we're employed to do, is to look after the sickest people in the hospital. We need to be very, very careful that our cultural behaviours don't impact on, on that care. But also, you want to come to work and it to be a really good place to work. And uh, people need to be happy in their workplace um, and feel a sense of being valued and respected uh, and included. Um, so I think there's, there's a myriad of reasons why this is really important to me, but I, I want to be an agent of change. I want to try and help advocate for others uh, and um, prom promote that, that avenue of discussion and discourse and, and how do we set ourselves up for a better future? How can we better protect our healthcare workers, um, our staff and, and our patients? I think that's a really important aspect, doesn't it? You know, how do we bring our best selves to work? Um, but also how do we look after ourselves while we're there and um, hopefully using the findings of the study to advocate for change. Yeah, absolutely. It's, well, it's like anything, you've got to work out what the baseline is at um, before, you know, you can unpick that and work out, well, what, what drivers are there that might be um, advocating or allowing some of those behaviours to occur? Um, that's what we really need to understand. You know, are we working in clinical, um, well, we, in fact, we do. We work in very stressful clinical environments at times. Um, and we're very good, I think, at having this protective skin um, and you develop this sense of resilience to what happens around you. But sometimes 
you need to stop for a minute and think about that layer of, of protectiveness and actually what am I witnessing on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, what is the culture? What am I seeing around me? It's, it's looking at it from a different, different mindset and, yeah, improving it, making it better. Mm. Well, that's what we're hoping to do, isn't it? So um, any final mm. thoughts to encourage people to participate in the survey? Well, I think particularly in, in a critical care environment, we often talk about how vulnerable our patients are, but I think we need to, to be very mindful of how vulnerable our own staff are. Uh, and this is a chance and an opportunity to provide your perspective, your input, um, and uh, use, use your experiences to help um, enlighten us to what's happening around you. Uh, and so that we, we can unravel some of the threads, some common themes. Um, this, this is an opportunity to pave the way to improve what we do. Um, there shouldn't be any fear or intimidation in participating in this survey. I encourage people to just lay it out there, tell us what's going on, be honest, be open. Um, you may actually be working in a fantastic environment and that's great. Maybe what we're seeing and what we're getting a feel of is actually not as bad as we think. And that's great, but we want to hear that. So I would encourage everybody to please participate in the survey. Please provide your input. Um, it may be difficult. It may be challenging, but I think this is where, where society, we're moving now. We're stronger than we think. Um, and uh, I think we're ready to face some of these challenges now. We're ready to have some open conversations and we're ready to flesh out some of the bigger issues in life to improve where we're at. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for that. And uh, just cannot wait to see the results of this study. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it will be really enlightening. But I worry in a sense that we're going to get perhaps those people that are more passionate about this project or it, this resonates more clearly with them that may be more readily stepping forward to do the survey. But I would encourage people, even if there's, there's nothing that immediately comes to mind to you about any of these subject managers to still actually provide input because it may be your input that helps balance it out um, for us to give that, that broader perspective of everybody. Um, you know, whether you've had personal experience or not, we, we want to hear from, from people. My name's Steve Kirby. I'm the chairperson for the New Zealand College of Critical Care Nurses. Um, and uh, a bit of my background, I've been uh, nursing in critical care for uh, a number of years. <laughs> Won't go into that, but it's, it's above 25. Um, <laughs> said very quickly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been in a various number of units uh, across England and New Zealand, um, crossing from public health systems into private and also for a portion of my career, I've been in the military forces as well. Um, so quite a varied range of, of different cultures and units um, to work with and work through. Um, and Currently now, I'm at a Middlemore Hospital, and I'm in the within the critical care complex there, but doing a role within the patient at risk team, which is out on the wards, sick patients, emergencies, and the helping the the critical care patients move from critical care into the wards, or or if they need it, back the other way. Um, and it's a, a wonderful role that um, gives me that wonderful mix of my critical care skills, autonomy and teamwork all rolled into one. Sounds perfect. Yes, it's my <laughs> ideal role, to be honest. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> nice to be in a place that you enjoy working. Yeah, mm, absolutely. So you bring a wealth of experience to the study team as well with all your ICU background. Why do you think the study is important? Um, I think the study is really important because it will start to shine a light on something we've anecdotally and between ourselves known exists, which is there is bullying, 
discrimination and harassment um, of all different types in the workplace. What we don't have is concrete evidence. We, we don't have a lot of incident reports or, or actual um, brought to the attention situations of this because it's just staying under the radar. People don't want to come forward. We know it happens, but people aren't coming forward. Um, and we don't have a lot of research currently in the field. So we don't have any um, research or academic type evidence for, for this. Um, with, with the very emotional and um, impact that this, this has on people, um, having a, a form of confidential and anonymized outlet for actually people to get their information and their story out there, I think is going to be a huge um, step forward for us in the, raising the knowledge base, actually letting us really know what the, the size of the issue is. I think that's one of the things over the years we've we've known happens and we 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 kind of I feel nullify it a little bit by calling it the unit's culture that's the way we've always done it well you need to toughen up to be in this career all of those statements I think all of us have heard over the years um, and all it does is just give permission for the behaviors to continue. Um, and I think we need to sort of take this piece of, of work and use it to draw a line in the sand and say, well, actually, this is behavior that's not acceptable. This is behavior that's harming. Um, and this is behavior we want to identify and actually put a, a, a figure on how bad we are um, how much of this behavior is actually going on um, so that we can quantify it. Because we really have no idea, do we, like you say? Yeah. No, we have yeah. no idea. We, we all talk in our networks and our, our safe groups, because we all have safe groups that we talk within, and we all talk and say how bad we think the problem is. But it's, it's our opinion. We, we, we have our own little... Um, world view of it and that's based on where we've been and who we've been in contact with but it doesn't actually tell us what the extent of the problem is across New Zealand across Australasia as a whole and I think that's I think we're of a very big important corner of the world for for critical care um, to to focus on the whole of Australasia will will be huge for international data. Mm. And it might spur some more far wider ranging um, investigations. Mm. And I guess the hope is that, um, you know, this will spur some initiatives within the, both the New Zealand College of Critical Care Nurses and Australian College of Critical Care Nurses in terms of wellness in initiatives. Yes, um, ab absolutely. Um, I think, the, the colleges of critical care nursing across Australia, Australasia um, absolutely need to get behind this. We haven't been able to identify bullying, um, sexual harassment or, or um, any form of discrimination specifically. The, since COVID, we've had a far greater focus on um, welfare, wellness, and emotional support for our members, um, just through very gentle avenues at the moment. Um, letters of support have gone out by email and suggestions of, of really good resources on the internet to use when we were in COVID lockdown that, that were designed for support of our staff. But if we could get behind an even more substantial, bigger project and really throw some support into that, it would have a much bigger impact on our workforce. 
and might help with the issues we've we see as an increasing problem within the units that of turnover mm. which we've always said oh well that comes and goes and yes to, to an extent turnover comes and goes because of different people's personal career trajectories but we are seeing a, an increasing amount of turnover now um, and a part of that I believe is down to the un different units um, cultures or, or what we should be calling it the different units levels of bullying and harassment and discrimination mm. and how long people can stay within that either keeping their heads down and working or emotionally being able to sustain that before they have to move on to protect themselves. Um, so I think from the college's perspectives, we really need to make a firm um, statement and um, a much bigger push to be really behind this and try and do something very substantial for the members, for all critical care nurses. Yeah, and so hopefully this data from this survey can really support that. Yeah, yeah. I think from our own perspectives and um, the data will bring out um, a lot of um, more quantifiable numbers mm -hmm. that we will be able to say, you know, X percentage of nurses are being bullied and harassed and this is the damage that it's doing um, and that kind of data is very emotive and very powerful yeah yeah used in the right way could be a very positive tool mm. to get change yeah I was just thinking actually as you were talking you know this is a really great way that we can actually make ourselves agents of change um, and make it not just better for ourselves working in the ICU space, but also for our future colleagues coming through. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So I guess the other point of difference um, would be as a male um, working in the nursing space in the ICU too. And obviously a few stories to tell about that. Absolutely. Um, Working as a nurse in a, a male nurse in a female dominated environment um, has its positives and it's not so positives. And I think I started my career as a very young man. I was um, 20 when I started in nursing. So I literally went sort of from high school, college, a little bit of work till I got accepted into nursing and then straight into nursing and been there ever since. Um, it, as a man, it changes you slightly. Um, and I, the, the, these are the positive bits that working in a female dominated environment, if, if you embrace it, does put you in touch with your feminine side <laughs> it actually gives you a much more rounded view of the world um, and I think there are some positives you can take out of it and it, it does um, allow your personality to be softer if you let it mm. and I think that's that's definitely a positive thing having said that <laughs> um, being in a minority group can make you discriminated against. Um, and I've certainly felt that in various units I've worked in. And um, the, the discrimination is, is um, subtle, mm -hmm. um, but it's, and it comes out in, in very small ways. I, I felt nothing big enough to put a name to and that's why you can't challenge it that easily is it's 
all little tiny things like um, people saying to you, oh, well, you know, you, you have a, a longer break than I do because you're, you're favoured because you're a man. And I'm thinking, hang on, we went and came back at the same time. How's, how's that different? <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's just little comments and digs and, oh, well, you're going to go further in your career because um, you'll be favouritised because you're, you're male. Um, and I can understand the perspectives of where these comments come from because you do see... Um, some male nurses going quickly through their career, mm. going going up far in their careers. Um, and you can understand where resentment stems, but the, the constant um, nagging and the constant little comments can can be... Um, very hurtful to you as a, a mm. young nurse going through. Um, they also actually work to possibly drive you to do exactly what they said will happen and make you <laughs> go through your career quicker to get up and out of that environment. Mm. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And that, I mean, that's just a personal perspective, but I think that does act as a driver to to make you go through your career. Mine hasn't been particularly fast rising. <laughs> I think that's my work ethic. I, I, you know, it could um, be a number of reasons. <laughs> I like working clinical, so I've never strove for management. I got there, um, and I've been charge nurse, unit managers, and ACNMs over the last decade or so. Um, and I, you know, I've enjoyed being in those roles and I've enjoyed it for the various um, relationships you can build, the welfare you can do for your staff um, and the support you can give people. I've really enjoyed trying to change environments. Exactly what we were saying about the research, you know, being a change person. Mm. I don't enjoy the admin. I don't enjoy the any of those aspects. I don't dislike raising standards and having discipline. I don't dislike challenging performance and behavior, but I don't relish it. Yeah. I, I enjoy the result if it's positive. Um, but a lot of those situations are out of your control, whether it's going to be a positive or a not so positive outcome. That's mm. everybody's input into that. Um, getting back to what you were saying, I think that um, male nurses can have some advantages in their, their ability to be able to... Um, work and being seen as um, dependable and and this is possibly where we a portion of the discrimination of being in a minority group against the sexual discrimination of um, maternity leave paternity leave etc comes into play and I think that male nurses can have an unfair advantage in being seen as more dependable in the workplace whilst being a minority group. And I think as guys, we do tend to, in our nursing careers, migrate to where all the other guys are. Mm. <laughs> we, we do go into critical care nursing. Mm. There's a higher number of male nurses in critical care nursing in theatres and in ED where the the equipment is the technology yep. the generalized situations of of deteriorating patients um, so I think male nurses still strive for that masculine aspect of nursing 
as well as trying to to embrace the the feminine side of it the caring side um but i i yeah i still feel we're we are seen as a minority group so i guess um you know just sort of wrap that up it would be fantastic to see as many of our male um, ICU nurse colleagues responding to the survey with their stories um, so that, you know, we can really analyse that data as well from a, you know, more from a gender perspective as well and see if there's any specific issues. Absolutely. I would, I would definitely pr promote my uh, male colleagues to, to raise their voice mm. and, um, put forward any of the situations and feelings that they've got in regards to this, definitely. Mm. Well, that's lovely, Steve. Um, thank you for your time today. And we'll look forward to hearing all these stories and getting this data and um, working to make a difference for our yeah. colleagues. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the time, Rachel. And like you, I'm very much looking forward to, to getting the data in on this project. Mm. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Thanks for listening to us. Hopefully this will help you decide if you would like to participate in this study. Please follow the link on the website to access the survey if you are an ICU nurse in Australia or New Zealand. Sorry that we are only focused on those two countries this time around. And thank you for joining us. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, then welcome and thanks for joining us. And if you are a returning listener, then thank you for coming back. I hope you are enjoying the experience. If you have any feedback or suggestions, I would love to hear them. What did you enjoy and who would you like to hear from? Would you like to make a guest appearance? Please contact me by email. And until next time, I hope this proves to be critical to your success.